0: Hey there, and welcome to The Water Tower, a few minutes of extra encouragement for your week from the scriptures. I'm your host, Lee Younger from Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and today we'll be in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone you know the commandments do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal do not give false testimony do not defraud honor your father and mother teacher he declared all these I have kept since I was a boy Jesus looked at him and loved him one thing you lack he said go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me at this the man's face fell He went away sad because he had great wealth. All right, enjoy episode 63, The Goodness of God by Alex Billings.
1: A song familiar to many believers repeats, all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Have you ever come across something that was totally unfamiliar and yet pulled you toward it? Something you didn't understand but just had to know more about immediately. It pushed all other distractions out of the way for the moment and you totally focused on this one thing. Maybe it was a musician whose work you'd never heard, but when it started playing, you dropped everything and listened to the entire album. Or maybe it was a TV show you'd never seen before, but after starting the first episode, suddenly you found yourself in the middle of the final season and Netflix is asking you more than once if you're still watching. And I don't care for your tone with that question, Netflix, Or maybe it was someone you met who started telling you their story and you were so drawn to it that you hoped they'd never stop talking. Sometimes something grabs your attention and you just don't wanna think about anything else for a while. Mark 10. Once Jesus was in the middle of a road trip with his 12 closest followers, they'd left the town of Capernaum, traveled through Judea, past the Jordan River, and were just packing up to hit the road for Jerusalem big things were happening. Jesus had places to go and a lot to teach his disciples before facing the betrayal of all his friends and taking up his cross. A young man saw Jesus and his group leaving and ran up to Jesus. Now, I imagine he'd seen Jesus around, heard about the people Jesus had helped and overheard some of Jesus's teaching. I don't know what it was, but something told this young man that Jesus would have some answers. He ran up to Jesus before Jesus could quite get out of town. The young man knelt down, caught his breath and said, good teacher, what do I have to do to get to live forever? Jesus looked with love at the young man kneeling before him and said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. That's Mark 10:18. What an interesting way to begin his answer. I've grown up in the church. My earliest and some of my fondest memories are of talking to Jesus in my room playing underneath pews, and listening to adults reading the Bible. I have heard a lot of adults talk about this first sentence of Jesus' response, no one is good except God alone. Usually, it kicks off a lesson about how, whether we admit it or not, the rest of us humans are dirty, rotten, stinking sinners, a line I stole from one of my favorite pastors, Keith Watson, or it leads into some heady discussion about the deity of Jesus. But... What stands out to me today is that God is good. I forget about everyone else and that thought takes over. I crave goodness. My whole life, I've been fascinated by and drawn to this truth of God's goodness. It's like nothing I have ever seen or heard of anywhere else. I don't understand it, but I must get closer to it. I want to be good more than I want to be liked or respected or even comfortable. One of the things that frustrates me most about myself is that I am not good. I have tried a lot of things and listened to some wise humans and spent a lot of time in prayer about this. But despite my best efforts, inevitably I choose to lose my temper. I criticize. I entertain a vicious thought against someone else. I withhold the benefit of the doubt when I ought to be gracious. I look the other way when someone is hurting, and it just isn't easy or convenient enough for me to respond. So often, I display the very opposite of goodness. My husband Dan and I have two awesome kids. Daily, their whole lives, I've prayed with them that they would be given faith that recognizes God is who he says he is, that God is a big, good God who can be trusted. I pray this fervently, earnestly, desperately, as if their lives depend on it as if trusting that our great big God is perfect and good is the key to eternal life, including today. Isn't that the truth though? God is good and therefore trustworthy. I'm in the middle of a book by Jackie Hill Perry about God's holiness and how it helps us to trust him. Perry has put words to what my heart has been mumbling for years. I bet it's something like what was running through that young man's head when he sprinted up to Jesus as Jesus was leaving town. He thought this teacher is good. Whatever he says, it must be true. Whatever he tells me to do will give me life that won't run out. He is the one I need to ask. That's what I long for my kids to know deep down in their hearts. It's what I hope will draw them in and fascinate them enough to keep them seeking the Lord. It's what's kept me near the Lord even when I was in my most rebellious or disinterested phases. If God is good, then he can't lie. He can be trusted enough to be sought loved and obeyed. In the English Standard Version of the Bible, in the Gospel of John alone, Jesus uses the phrase, truly, truly, I say to you, 25 times. Truly, truly, very truly. In my mind, something is either true or it isn't. There's no sort of trustworthy or almost true, But the Lord Jesus, our good God, chooses to emphasize the truth of his words. It's as though he knew his listeners had never experienced the spoken word with this much integrity before, and they hadn't. Even though many of them didn't recognize it, they were in the presence of and hearing the words of our very big good God who can absolutely be trusted. Early in Jesus's ministry, the listeners in Capernaum synagogue one Sabbath day were astonished at Jesus's teaching for he taught them as one who had authority. That's in Mark one verse 22. He spoke as though what he said was absolutely true and not to be disputed or in need of further verification. None of their teachers had ever exercised this kind of authority. All of them pointed to a higher authority, whether the Torah or the prophets but Jesus came along doing something they'd never heard. This carpenter's son, this teacher without a shekel to his name, who went around helping people and asking nothing for himself, taught as one with real authority, one whose trustworthiness didn't depend on anyone else, but who rather set the standard for integrity. This young man who stopped Jesus on the way out of town had a response for Jesus. He had run all that way because something in his heart told him that Jesus was good and that Jesus could be trusted to answer this vital question I imagine had kept him up at night. Mark tells us that Jesus looked at the young man, loved him, and gave him the answer he'd been waiting for. But then Mark goes on to tell us that, disheartened by what he heard, the young man went away sorrowful. Now that just breaks my heart. The young man had trusted Jesus enough to ask his most important question and expect the real answer. But when it came down to it, the young man didn't trust Jesus enough to believe what he said was true and worth following. Some people read this and say, well, he did trust him. He was sad because he couldn't make himself do what Jesus said. Or I've heard other people smarter than me say, the young man wasn't really asking. He was looking for Jesus to give him a pat on the back for all his good behavior. But to me, that doesn't make sense. I think this sorrowful young man knew he didn't really have what it took to earn eternal life. He, like me, had spent a lot of years, since my youth, he told Jesus, trying to do and say the right things. And he had plenty of worldly success to show for it. What he did not have was a full trust in the goodness of Jesus. He heard the author of life tell him where life could be found, and he didn't trust the author's words enough to let go of the safety net of all his worldly rewards. I hope that young man eventually thought about who he had asked this most important question. I hope that he ended up numbered with the believers described in the book of Acts. I hope he decided to trust and follow the goodness of God toward the eternal life he wanted. That's my prayer for my family, for myself, and for anyone listening to this message. If you don't know what to say to God, maybe start by asking him for this, a simple faith. A faith that recognizes that God is who he says he is, that he is a big, good God who can be trusted. I can't help but believe that once we begin to trust that, we'll go through this life and the next being awed by and attracted to the goodness of God. There is no one like him.
2: All to Jesus I serve.
0: Today's score was the song Tumbles Lullaby by Kyle McAvoy with Stan Forby, used by permission with musicbed.com. Our final song was I Surrender All by Southern Harmonic, and our intro and outro music was As Ever by the one and only Jed Brewer of The Bridge Chicago. And you're hearing this because of our friend Ian Gothert, who's like that ridiculously great feeling you have when your favorite football team wins the Big Ten Conference for the first time in 17 long years. Go Blue. Thanks for listening, and may the living water fill you up.